Welcome to another episode of the Freethinkers Podcast, the show that believes in free speech, original thought, and desire for truth. Hope everyone's had a wonderful week. And today we are in the midst of blood in the streets with cryptocurrency. But we have a special guest on the show, Kevin Alvarez. Kevin, welcome to the show. Welcome. Kevin, you're an entrepreneur, a business owner, yeah. and uh, someone that has taught me a lot about cryptocurrency over the years. But yeah. just wanted to bring you on to just, number one, explain maybe a little bit what's going on now. I know people are kind of freaked out, the yeah. ones that are invested or, or maybe the ones that are dabblers. But we want to kind of explain to the, to the people that don't really know much about it what it is. Is it freedom or fraud? Mm-hmm. I mean, what really is cryptocurrency? Just kind of in a, in a basic level, because I think so many people understand it as a way to make money or get rich quick, right. which it has the power to do so much more than that. So just wanted to kind of ask you about what yeah. you th- what your thoughts are on cryptocurrency. Yeah, well, I'm glad you brought it that way. I think that when I look at cryptocurrency, initially when I got involved with it, I didn't look at it as a speculative asset. You know, I didn't, I didn't get into, I bought my first Bitcoin in 2014. Um, I had no idea or thought that it would be worth X more down the road. I bought it because I actually had a need. Um, I, I had a business idea and credit card processors and banks weren't going to let me kind of run with it. So my first introduction, I was just thinking about this earlier. I have a friend named Will and Will uh, asked me early on when I met him and became friends, what I thought of Bitcoin. And I didn't do the research like most people don't. Um, And it obviously was a lot newer back then. And I told him, I said, I think it's a scam. I think it's you know, magic internet money uh, made out of thin air. It's not, you know, not, it's, it's a scam. But fast forward a couple more years later, I'm trying to do this business idea. I can't get, I can't, I'm being disallowed basically to accept payments. Therefore, I started looking for alternatives and there was Bitcoin again. This time I actually did the research. And um, at that point I was sold. I was like, okay, yeah, this actually has potential. And again, back in 2014, we're now in 2022, I'm surprised at how far along it has come and how, how popular it is right now. So I think in that standpoint, it's winning. It's doing what it was designed to do. Um, and I don't think at this stage, I have no concern of it ever going to zero. I think uh, so. I think main thing is I think I look at Bitcoin in two aspects. There's the speculative asset piece of it. But there's also this foundational um, principles of it, which aligns with your show. And that if you ask me to define Bitcoin in one word, I would say freedom. Well, it's interesting you said that because freedom with free speech. Our home is on Gab TV. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the, the powers at YouTube didn't like what we were saying about certain health topics. But uh, Andrew Torber was on a podcast the other night. And he described it as far as Bitcoin was instrumental and one of the, one of the well, between, between that and physical checks, the, the way that Gab was able to build the infrastructure on their own and to survive. And so I want to play a clip real quick from that, that show and see what you, th- I mean, your thoughts on it, because when you described its freedom, he, he did as well. Okay. I want to re- reduce the Federal Reserve 
and, and create a new economy. The best way to do that is by getting into things like Bitcoin. That, and that is why they're freaking out. You see them starting to see this narrative right now. Hillary's coming out. Even Trump has come out against Bitcoin, yep. right? Why is that, right? So people should start looking into that because the way, you know, I was talking about this before we started the show. Bitcoin is free speech money. Bitcoin is the only reason that Gab still exists right now because in 2019, when we got banned from everything, payment processors, PayPal, everything, we were still able to accept Bitcoin. We didn't need permission from any bank. We didn't need permission from any corporation or any government to do that. That is how we take down the Federal Reserve. <laughs> that The reason that I trust Bitcoin so much is not only because it saved my own business, but also because no central authority controls it. There's not one government. That, and there, by the way, there are countries now, entire countries that are adopting Bitcoin, which is really telling. And when I see the establishment, you know, both the left and the right coming out and attacking it, that's when I know that it is the real deal. Um, you know, it is absolutely decentralized and it is absolutely the only one that is decentralized. I'm a Bitcoin maximalist myself. I believe that Bitcoin is the thing that is going to end these things like the central bankers, the Federal Reserve, all these things. I think it's a matter of time. Yeah, I, I think what he said that's the most important piece is the decentralization aspect. Mm -hmm. That is, to me, where, you know, obviously all my friends know I've, because I've been in crypto for a while now. They know, they come to me, they ask, oh, what about this project? What about that project? And there are some legitimate other projects out there, but what I, I've told people, and I believe even you, when you first asked me and when you wanted to get kind of, you know, a little bit more knowledgeable, I've never, ever told anyone to buy anything mm -hmm. in crypto. I always ask them first to understand it before you buy anything. And what I, what I fear right now is that you see cryptocurrency kind of getting a little bit more mainstream adoption, but people aren't really quite sure what the purpose of it is to begin with. Mm -hmm. So it's, again, it's not about necessarily, uh, so if we try to replace the old system with the new system, but we have the same exact flaws as the old system, we haven't done anything. We haven't solved any problems. Yeah. And so the decentralized aspect of, of Bitcoin for any cryptocurrency that's truly decentralized, that's where the solutions lie. And I, I don't think too many people understand that aspect of it because they haven't been educated. Well, I think, you know, we want to get into blockchain decentralization, a couple of aspects about cryptocurrency, but I think we should go to the root of mm -hmm. the word of currency. Yeah. Because I think it's important to understand what we're dealing with now of the playing field that we're on with fiat currency yep. and how that is so manipulated and cryptocurrency in a, can't be manipulated because of the framework in which it's built on. So right. Do you want to even just start about yeah. money, currency, absolutely. what we're on the fiat, all this? Yeah, absolutely. Because unless you understand, so Bitcoin wasn't created just because somebody wanted to get rich. Bitcoin had a problem that it was trying to solve. And that problem was the monetary system that we have in place now, which is really more of a currency system, is flawed. It's manipulated and it's really set up so that, you know, it's, it's not a fair game. That's the end of the story. It's not a fair game. And so in 2008, when we had the you know, market crisis, that's when Bitcoin was released. Now, people had been working on different forms of digital currency um, for a while. What made Bitcoin unique is the blockchain technology. And we can get into that. We can kind of maybe get into a little bit of some of the details of how that works. Mm -hmm. But I think before we get to that point, though, people have to understand the difference between money and currency and for me this was the key remember i said i i was doing research or 
you know, I, I needed to find a solution. And my prior thought of Bitcoin was that it was a scam. But what I, I remember seeing something that made me have that aha moment. So there were two things. And I don't, you know, now that you know it, now that I know it, it's like, well, why don't, why doesn't everyone know this? But I got to remind myself back in 2014, I didn't know this either. I didn't know what money was or mm -hmm. is or what it's supposed to be. And so when I saw this chart that basically said, this is the traits of what good money is. That's when it struck me. And we'll go, I think we should maybe try to, I don't know if you can work that graphic yeah, in yeah, to show yeah. like what good money is, but there are specific traits to it. And probably the most, at least now, which, you know, we can, I don't think you have to be living under a rock if you can't see inflation happening. So one of the most important aspects is you want something to have like scarcity. And when the government's printing trillions of dollars out of thin air, that's not scarcity. And with Bitcoin, you have a fixed supply. There's going to be 21 million. Gold is scarce as well. Mm -hmm. But the problem with gold is we don't really know how much gold there really is. Um, I've seen articles that, you know, there's tons of gold in space. There's asteroids floating around that are tons of precious metals on them. Well, we're developing technology. I, I wonder sometimes if Bezos and Musk, a lot of their, uh, you know, initiatives for getting into space is to mine some of these yeah. precious metals. So, but if that's the case, um, and you, we do come across other sources of gold outside of our natural world that we live in our, on earth, well, what happens to the scarcity of gold then? It's, it's not the same. So Bitcoin has a very, I think the key is the protocol and the protocol, meaning the, the, the written rules. So Bitcoin was created to be the most idealistic form of money and that wasn't well, possible until technology allowed this to happen. Well, when you talk about the, the I ideal form of money, let's back up into how paper money came to, to existence. Mm -hmm. And that has a lot to do with gold. Yeah. Because you take these wagon trips across the country and they would have these stagecoaches and they were full of gold, like bullion, yeah. It's yeah. bars and that kind of thing, which would make it very easy, easy to rob. So you, mm -hmm. these stagecoaches would be robbed. So what would happen is you would store your, your gold in a bank and they would give you a receipt for that gold. And you would take that receipt and you could exchange that for your gold somewhere else. Well, it was so, it was portable. The portability factor was so much easier right. than gold. People would start swapping receipts, gold receipts. Right. Then it came into gold reserve notes. And I actually still have one from my great grandparents. It's like the, before the Federal Reserve went to the declared money, yeah. which you have to honor this made up Fiat, yeah. fiat yeah. the fiat means mm -hmm. declared, yeah. but it said this is good for one gold note. I, right. I believe I can't Ounce remember. maybe or yeah, I don't something, know, whatever. Yeah. Exactly but it, like but that. Either way, there was But gold it was backing. backed by right. some kind of metal. And then when these receipts were there, then they started making these receipts out of right. thin air and, right. and it just kind of devalued what it is. And so you're, you're passing paper, which is a perceived value, but if you actually cashed all that in and said, I, okay, now I want all my gold, it's not there. There's too, right. there's too much floating money out there and that's where we're at now and that's why obviously we're not on the gold standard because we're just printing literal money out of thin air so if you have yeah but it's even worse than that because not only do we not have a gold standard we also have fractional reserve banking as well so now even if i if if i think that i don't know i don't even want to know what the number is anymore but you know it used to be the banks had to have 10 percent on, on now reserve. it's it's not even that and so the worry is 
when or if there's a crisis and everyone wants to run to the bank to grab their uh just to have cash in hand mm -hmm. uh you know run on the banks we're looking at a pretty Greece. scary situation Greece to a magnitude right. that we can't even imagine so it's not even about we don't even have the paper currency that that isn't backed by gold we don't yeah. even have that available so it's it's but real quick yeah. fractional reserve banking just explain it if you deposited a hundred dollars into the bank right by law they have to keep ten dollars correct of that on they store can, they, they can, can lend out right. that 90 percent so if you put $100 in the bank, they keep $10. Right. They could lend me that $90. If I put that in the bank, they'd have to keep nine of it. They could lend that other money out there. So really, now that you're talking hundreds of dollars out there, which 19 is only in the bank, and if all these people want to go and get their money out, it's not there anymore. So that's kind of what fractional reserve banking is. People really need to look into that because that, that will blow yeah. your mind. Yeah, and I think that's the whole thing. I mean, if there's one thing that if you're listening or, or watching today, I would say the takeaway, yeah, it's great. You're going to get a little bit of a background and intro on Bitcoin, but until you understand the finance, like the money system mm -hmm. as it is, the truth of it, then you'll realize that Bitcoin is needed and what problem it solves. But until you understand that there's a problem in which most people don't, you look at Bitcoin as just this thing that exists and I can maybe buy some and it goes up and down in price. But it's meant for a purpose. And I think that's the key. Educate yourself on why it exists. So less about how it works and more why it was needed and why it was created in the mm -hmm. first place. And that's the most important thing. Yeah. And so we live in a world and I think, obviously, I'm just going to bring up a few benefits that I see how cryptocurrency can help. Obviously, it's private. Mm -hmm. It's a decentralized ledger, which we'll get into. It, when you transfer it to somebody else, and again, I'm not just talking about Bitcoin itself. Right. There's a lot of other altcoins, which mm -hmm. is a different kinds that have an incredibly low transaction rate. Right. Right. So when you're talking, if you had a restaurant, you're paying three to 4% per transaction to every single customer. You're losing right. that money. The transaction or the merchant processor is making that money. So a, res a restaurant has to, in a sense, have a net loss already of 4% going. Yeah, it's probably closer time. to three in all fairness, but, but still, I mean, the, the, you're right. There's, you know, you have basically a, a, a system right now that's, you know, run on through credit cards. You've got Visa, MasterCard collecting 3%. I know for me, I, you know, I'm a business owner, um, you know, I'm losing 3% right off the top just to be able to take in, mm -hmm. you know, and I've been, I've been encouraging my clients for years um, to pay me in crypto. And a lot of them now are realizing that that's been on the invoice the whole time. They're like, damn, I wish I'd paid attention yeah. uh, back in 2014. They would have been involved in it earlier. They would have understood it more. And uh, from a from a long term, again, there's volatility, but year over year over year, if you look at Bitcoin or any crypto in longer term cycles, three four years, you're doing pretty damn good. So, so I guess one of the big things about Bitcoin and a lot of and a lot of cryptos is the its ability to avoid manipulation right meaning governments can't control it number one right. they can't make more of it within the code of that there's only gonna be 21 million ever correct you were saying something earlier that there's 20 mil 20 percent lost they lost their wallet keys right. and that kind of thing so that's a that's an estimate based on just some like forensics and that's the other thing you know with with but the, because of that people can't say i lost it 
I lost my password or something and get it. Correct. With that key, based on the cryptography, there's no way to get that back. It's over. Yeah. It's, you it's lose controlled. The key. It's, it's not a system where you can just generate more Correct. within the rules. Right. It's like gold. You cannot just make gold out of thin air. You have to mine it right. or you have to pan for it or have to some right. way to, to, to find it. In the same way as, 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 you know, as gold gets, so there may, there may be deposits of gold that could be found, but you know that you got to spend a lot more effort, resources, time, money to dig deeper down mm -hmm. to get to those deposits. So there, there's obviously a cost associated with to getting anything, anything that has value, any money that has value, there's a cost to it, right? So Bitcoin has costs with energy and we'll get into that argument as well, mm -hmm. but that's the thing. So gold does have value. Gold, there was actual effort, time, resources to mine it. And therefore it has intrinsic value. So, you know, I'm not a anti-gold, anti-silver by no stretch. I actually own silver and gold as well. Um, again, I'm not here to give investment advice, yeah. uh, but I think that you have to have some form of effort and energy or time uh, to make it worth something. So mm -hmm. um, kind of rambling on here, but I'll let you get back, help me get back on track. Well, well I think the, the lack of manipulation does and does, that's where the freedom comes in. That's where like Andrew Torber was talking about. That's what banks couldn't shut his ability to take Bitcoin down. Governments couldn't do that. All these other right. players couldn't get together and manipulate other country companies to cancel him. Right. Like all these things, payment providers, email hosts, server, all this yeah. stuff cancel him. Bitcoin, he was able to, to still make that through. And so how the manipulation is avoided is because of blockchain, decentralized ledgers, and let's get into, I, I know there's a, a video on blockchain. Mm -hmm. Should we cover the decentralized ledger first or the blockchain? What's best? Um, well, I think they're one and the same. So I think, I think that the, if, if you can understand how like decentralized ledgers work, you'll understand the next question would be, well, blockchain's the solution that makes it work. So I guess, yeah, maybe we show the video on blockchain. Yeah. Yeah. I think, and, and I think you explained to me just to kind of preface it and give people a different way to watch this is you explained a, an instance to me where the blockchain or the decentralized ledger worked in a real world situation down in South America, as far as the yeah, manipulation. Yeah. I can't remember. I can't remember the exact location, but this, we can maybe just use this as an analogy. So people kind of grasp and understand yeah. it. But so imagine if you were in, living in an area where there's a lot of corruption, um, and I buy a piece of property, right? And I now have a paper, uh, a title of ownership of that property. And then somewhere in the centralized government, the uh, mayor's office, they mm -hmm. have a copy of that title as well. The brother of the mayor really wanted that property instead. They do whatever they need to do. They, they manipulate the document. And now the brother owns it. My paper is my word versus theirs. And so with decentralized ledgers, imagine now, rather than that title being in uh, the, the hands of one human who's corruptible, mm -hmm. instead, it's on a computer network with fixed rules, and there are 50 people, 100 people in that village that have a copy of that Transaction. record. Transaction. Right. 
And so when I get proof from that network that's immutable, it's unchangeable, that I've got the title, I feel much more confident that I truly have the title and that one person can't take that away and change that action that happened. And that's really what, when we think about distributed ledgers, it's taking the, uh, the record keeping out of one entity, whether it be a government, a company, or one individual, and spreading it out to multiple people. And it's transparent. Mm-hmm. And that's so important is that it's transparent. So it becomes trustless, meaning I don't have to trust the system. I can verify the system and I can look and everyone else can look and we're not hiding anything. Mm-hmm. It happened. It's not filed away in someone's file cabinet that other people have to guess whether, you know, it's not my word versus theirs. It's, it's there for everyone to see. Yeah. So in that, in that instance, you have, let's just say you buy a piece of property, mm-hmm. you go down and the, the, the deed, the transaction is recorded in, let's just say the county property records book. Mm-hmm. That's the ledger you get a receipt of that, which is your deed or title in hand. So you take that home. So when you come back, you want to present that, that deed. Well, they will show up. The, the mayor's brother says Mm -hmm. he wanted that. They'll record falsely. Another transaction happened that you, the property transferred from you to this other guy. Again, you weren't aware of that because they can manipulate it because they only have one source to manipulate that. Correct. And they can do that under the cloak of darkness or whatever. And now that mayor's brother has that completely stole it out from under you. Right. So what decentralized means is it's not in that one spot just to kind of try to keep it in the very simplest forms. Now each transaction is recorded on everybody's ledger that they personally have. So right. it's like, even with cryptocurrency, we have, I have like an, an app on my computer that has a ledger you do as well person around the world does. So every 10 minutes that ledger is automatically updated and that transaction is recorded across. So you'd have to manipulate everybody in that village's ledger within 10 minutes. Right. And that's, and that's where you get now into the technicalities of of how the blockchain works. Cause the blockchain, if like this, again, it gets a little bit more technical, but this explains the security aspects of, of why, especially with Bitcoins, like proof of work, um, you know, that is the most secure form. So, you know, you can knock, like you mentioned, there's other altcoins and, and these things have some advantages, you know, maybe faster transactions, uh, lower costs, et cetera. But in terms of security, nothing tops Bitcoin by any stretch. So this blockchain, I guess if we can show this video, that mm-hmm. will explain the level of basically the technicalities of how it works and why it's so secure. Okay, let's watch that. Now, a blockchain is a distributed ledger that is completely open to anyone. They have an interesting property. Once some data has been recorded inside a blockchain, it becomes very difficult to change it. So how does that work? Well, let's take a closer look at a block. Each block contains some data, the hash of the block, and the hash of the previous block. The data that is stored inside a block depends on the type of blockchain. The Bitcoin blockchain, for example, stores the details about a transaction in here, such as the sender, receiver, and the amount of coins. A block also has a hash. You can compare a hash to a fingerprint. It identifies a block and all of its contents, and it's always unique, just as a fingerprint. 
Once a block is created, its hash is being calculated. Changing something inside the block will cause the hash to change. So in other words, hashes are very useful when you want to detect changes to blocks. If the fingerprint of a block changes, it no longer is the same block. The third element inside each block is the hash of the previous block. And this effectively creates a chain of blocks and it's this technique that makes a blockchain so secure. Let's take an example. Here we have a chain of three blocks. As you can see, each block has a hash and the hash of the previous block. So block number three points to block number two and number two points to number one. Now the first block is a bit special. It cannot point to previous blocks because, well, it's the first one. We call this block the Genesis block. Now, let's say that you tamper with the second block. This causes the hash of the block to change as well. In turn, that will make block 3 and all following blocks invalid because they no longer store a valid hash of the previous block. So changing a single block will make all following blocks invalid. But using hashes is not enough to prevent tampering. Computers these days are very fast and can calculate hundreds of thousands of hashes per second. You could effectively tamper with a block and recalculate all the hashes of other blocks to make your blockchain valid again. So to mitigate this, blockchains have something that is called proof of work. It's a mechanism that slows down the creation of new blocks. In Bitcoin's case, it takes about 10 minutes to calculate the required proof of work and add a new block to the chain. This mechanism makes it very hard to tamper with the blocks because if you tamper with one block, you'll need to recalculate the proof of work for all the following blocks. So the security of a blockchain comes from its creative use of hashing and the proof of work mechanism. But there is one more way that blockchains secure themselves and that is by being distributed. Instead of using a central entity to manage the chain, Blockchains use a peer-to-peer -peer network and everyone is allowed to join. When someone joins this network, he gets a full copy of the blockchain. The node can use this to verify that everything is still in order. Now, let's see what happens when someone creates a new block. That block is sent to everyone on the network. Each node then verifies the block to make sure that it hasn't been tampered with. And if everything checks out, each node adds this block to their own blockchain. All the nodes in this network create consensus. They agree about what blocks are valid and which aren't. Blocks that are tampered with will be rejected by other nodes in the network. So to successfully tamper with a blockchain, you'll need to tamper with all the blocks on the chain, redo the proof of work for each block, and take control of more than 50% of the peer-to-peer -peer network. Only then will your tampered block become accepted by everyone else. So this is almost impossible to do. All right, so that's a basic way that the blockchain works as far mm -hmm. as the security and how it records those transactions right. in that decentralized ledger. And again, I hope we're not blowing people's minds and just making it so complex that they're right. like, this right. is not worth watching. But obviously we want to try to reduce it and, and to show instead of a get rich quick scheme or instead of something that you only invest in to make money, that there's a real purpose and that right. there's a real world application for not only Bitcoin, but a variety of, of 
different yeah. currencies. Yeah, and so as the video explains, that that uses what's called proof of work, right? And and proof of work is it's got its advantages. It's it's the most secure form of blockchain. There are others. Uh, there's the most other popular would be called proof of stake. Proof of stake is much more energy efficient. Um, you know, there's other benefits with it. Lower lower cost of transactions typically. Um, the problem with proof of stake is it's not as secure. So every, you know, the the thing when you look at cryptocurrencies and you start studying it, there's what they call the trilemma, which is you know you need to have three things really working well. You need low cost of transactions. You need it to also be secure, and then you also want to make sure it remains decentralized. So balancing those three things is difficult. And mm-hmm. you know arguments are you can only have two of the three. Well, that's not exactly true. Uh, Bitcoin's working on, you know, second layers of things above it that will, like the Lightning Network, um, you know, you're here, I think the video you alluded to on from Gab, I think they mentioned how Nick or, um, I'm sorry, El Salvador is using it. El Salvador's implementing the, the Lightning Network as well. This allows for very, very low cost transactions. So it's still early. I think that's another key thing. A lot of people feel like, oh, like it's too, I'm too late in this and you know, if you're under, if you're watching this video and you're taking the time, you know, you're not going to get Bitcoin by watching this video alone, but it hopefully it encourages people to start at least opening their mind to realize, like you said, it's not just a, a get rich quick scheme. Mm-hmm. If you start understanding the principles behind it, it's you're early. Like even a lot of people that I know that have, that own Bitcoin, I've owned it for four or five years. They still don't quite understand why they only bought it as an, as a, investment asset if you really get it you're ahead of the game so i encourage people to, to try to learn and study this but yeah there's the argument on proof of work just i think it's fair to say so it's a proof of stake is you know uh lower fees energy efficient but the risk on that is not the risk but the weakness is not as secure typically well the argument against proof of work is that it uses a lot of energy because all these processes all these verifications to validate the blocks takes energy and I referenced earlier how anything which people understand is mining. Yeah, exactly. Yep. When you hear Bitcoin mining, mm-hmm. that's that's what they're doing. So it does require energy, but there's two aspects aspects to this. Um, one is I mentioned earlier, any form of money has to have that effort. We talked about you know digging down for gold. It takes time, effort, energy. So you can look at Bitcoin as like a, a way to harness the value of that energy that was used to basically create it now it's worth noting that a lot when you look at a lot of these miners they they have to be super competitive right they, so it's a matter of me trying to get as much calculate as much of these hashes as possible to win to get my reward of bitcoin to do that i've got to keep my operating cost as low as possible i've got capital cost of buying all the equipment, the computers that are doing the processing, but also the energy to mm-hmm. run these calculations. And so what you're finding is a lot of these miners are going and being very, very creative with creating new low-cost energy uh, solutions. So they're using things like uh, El Salvador is a good example. They have a, they have a volcano, and there's a lot of thermo, I don't know what the word would be, but thermo energy coming mm-hmm. out, right? All that steam coming up from the volcano, they're harnessing that geothermal. Geothermal, yeah, yeah. great, thank you. They're they're harnessing that to create energy to run their mining. Now, 
why weren't they using that before to to run electricity to the town? Well, it's not cost effective to do that. So what you're seeing is these miners are going to places where and 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 basically harnessing energy that's already there that was never used because it didn't it wasn't practical. So we're taking energy that exists, say we like I'm mining, I'm not, but but the idea these miners are are being very smart with it and they have to keep their costs down. So they're basically creating they're almost inventing a new industry that's showing people how you can get creative in creating energy. And hopefully that that expands to other uses beyond just Bitcoin mining. Well, you mentioned proof of stake. Mm-hmm. So I should I want to mention that proof of stake is essentially you're putting the coins and the the money, the the cryptocurrency that you have up to secure the network. And based right. based on you using your coins to secure the network, they're giving you interest. And, and the, the interest depends on a variety of factors, but that's one way to do it. So basically, right. there's a cryptocurrency that I have that I have an app mm-hmm. on my computer and I just choose to stake, which right. means that those coins are being used to help secure the network and I can't trade them at that point in time. Correct. I think it's like liquid staking, which I can hit stop and the coins come back into basically my wallet right. and I can trade them if I want. Right. But I'm a, but by doing that and giving me interest, it it I get additional coins on a monthly basis. Yeah. What's what's really cool and powerful about this is geo arbitrage and what you did. Yeah. Because you lived in Romania, you you a different cryptocurrency you were staking, mm-hmm. and based on the value of each coin and the amount of coins that you got on a monthly basis, you were able to almost live for free. Yeah. B- just off the interest from staking using proof proof of stake Correct. as a cryptocurrency. Yeah, that's true. I uh, so yeah, the geo arbitrage thing. Uh, you know, picked up that on Tim Ferriss's Four Hour Work Week, um, and my job allows me to kind of work from where I want. But I I did that, and you know, when, early on, even as back as 2014, once I went through the crypto or started going through the crypto rabbit hole, which is endless. Um, you learn a lot about a lot of different things, but the idea of proof of stake was also appealing to me as well. Again, we're not going to argue about which is better. That's an endless argument, but for me, I like to be exposed to different things and also to learn. So I did get involved with a project that's proof of stake. And and even to this day, I still, um, hold some projects that are proof of stake. And I intentionally calculated a, um, a, a dollar value of that coin that I think is somewhat steady. Obviously, crypto is volatile. Some days it's $8, some days it's 3 But I calculated a dollar amount that I thought would be kind of steady. I calculated what my, my minimum cost of living is in Romania. And then I bought enough coins that I could stake them and essentially live off of the staking interest. And that is really powerful to think about because if you, you know, I, I'll say this too. I think in America, it's, it's harder to think of crypto as something other than an investment because we have a pretty, well, for, for I was gonna say we have a pretty steady dollar and we do, we have the best, one of the best currencies in the world in terms of its, its, you know, strength 
But in other parts of the world, that's not the case. And so when you, when you think about this concept of staking, um, you know, it, in other parts of the world, it means a lot more. And even Bitcoin means a lot more, right? I mean, there is no staking in Bitcoin, but, but holding Bitcoin in an area of the world, say Argentina or Greece or anywhere where the, the dollar value is fluctuating crazy and inflate, like we have inflation happening now in America, but it's nothing, it's not hyperinflation. Mm-hmm. And so when you see uh, pictures of people with a real barrel of cash, and the reporter goes, aren't you afraid someone's going to steal the cash? And the person's like, no, I'm afraid they're going to steal the real barrel because it's <laughs> worth more than the cash. Those are yeah. the people that where Bitcoin really becomes a, a savior. Well, they were burning money in the streets in Germany. Yeah. It was, I, mean, I think it was like a million something yeah. for bread Yeah, back then. So it really, it went back to its intrinsic value of paper. Yeah. What's the value of a piece of paper? This piece of paper, I think we looked earlier and it cost 13 cents to create for, with the Federal Reserve, mm-hmm. a $100 bill. Yeah. And so that's really the value of that paper is 13 cents. The $100 means what's the declared amount of that. And so everybody's has a, has an understanding that that's worth a hundred dollars, although the real value is 13 cents. But I think really kind of where we want to just kind of highlight cover and just really get back to is there's an actual real world application for Bitcoin and for a lot of different cryptocurrencies right now. It's a bloodbath. Yeah, like today, right today, now, yeah, yeah, it's a bloodbath. Yeah. Last few days have been, uh, been like, I mean, you're talking yeah. the markets down between 15 to 20 percent. Yeah, may, and, and some individual coins are a little bit more. A lot of times, people think that that means it's on sale, it's a time to buy. Yeah, traditionally, when you look back at charts, crypto, Bitcoin, that kind of thing has dipped around the first of the year. And obviously, right now, a lot of people use that as far as an investment. I mean, yeah. I can't say that I think it's being used out in the in the marketplace. Hopefully that will come at some point because it truly there's so many instances that I can see with with people with doing work in another country and yeah. wanting to get paid. They can instantly get paid through Bitcoin without going through any bank transaction where this money come through currency exchanges. There's just so much that and like you were talking about today, if you travel to another country and you have your Bitcoin wallet, well, they can't, they don't, and no one knows about that. So it really, it yeah. eliminates regulation. It eliminates oppression. It eliminates global government dominance. And it just, it allows you to freely transact with what you Yeah, as have. long as long as people remember the purpose was for a true form of money to be created that was not controlled by anybody or any institution or organization, it's, it's the people's money. And, and I think that's so important that people understand it and, and, and try to, because you don't want to give this up. I mean, to me, Bitcoin gives freedom. And so we, we need to make sure that more people understand why it exists. Like you said. So I, I think if, um, I, I want to kind of go over this chart because I, I, you know, we've, we've hit on some topics. Um, and I, I kind of want to, I think they're all there, but I think if we highlight you know, what makes, and we really mm-hmm. go through this because this is what, this is what I saw that woke me up and it, and it's basically the traits of money. Okay. And so if we can go through these really quick, yep. uh, the first is that it needs to be verifiable. And let's, let's just clarify with this chart. Fiat is 
that's just a term that means declared. That's what the U.S. dollar is, or yeah, a lot of different, like the euro, the dollar. Those are all fiat. They're declared. They don't have. They're not backed by anything, right? But the word of a government, an institution, correct. And okay. if you look in, it's worth noting too. If you look at the history of fiat, all human, all humanity. We talked about the German mark going to virtually zero, and they're burning it throughout history. Any time back to Roman era. Fiat has always diminished to zero. Mm-hmm. It doesn't last. You can kick the can down the road so far, and at some point, inflation is going to happen, then hyperinflation, and then they're going to throw, you know, reset or do the next thing. Bitcoin again was created with the idea that okay, if you look at this chart of what the traits of money are, it was using technology. Can we create the perfect form of money? And they did, in my opinion. It's not nothing is perfect. Everything's always going to have one mm-hmm. spot. But, you know, talking about the volatility of Bitcoin, again, look at it, look at a long-term chart of fiat, right? And, and the value and how it loses value over time. And I think I saw something that from 1913 to 2013, so in that 100-year period, the U.S. dollar lost, I think, 95% of its buying power. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, look at the chart from Bitcoin from 2008 to 2022, even with this this big correction that we're seeing right now in price, it's still going this way. It's going up. So again, you, your time frame of when you're looking at this stuff is important. So again, it's meant to be as close to perfect form of money as possible. And so you were alluding to earlier, the whole point of the, of the receipt with the gold was because it was not portable. Right. And so this is one of the things portability matters. So as you said, I travel to Romania, I travel wherever, um, my Bitcoin, if I, if I can have my, my secret key, I can go anywhere in the world with it. No one's even going to see it. No Mm -hmm. one even has to know I have any, by the way, I don't have any Bitcoin. Um, (laughs) but you can, you can carry it wherever you want. No weight on me. If I need to escape a critical situation, riots going on, but I want to try to take all of my value, all of my cash, my gold, jewelry, whatever, I've got risk of that being taken away from me. You can kill me, right? Take my wallet out, take the cash out of my wallet. You can kill me, but you can't take my Bitcoin. Mm -hmm. So that is, to me, it's, it's, you can't seize it. And my father came from Cuba. They lost everything. It was seized by the government. If he had Bitcoin, they couldn't have seized it. He could have gotten on and left Cuba, come to America, and all the value that they had earned would have still been maintained. Mm-hmm. It wouldn't have been taken by the government. So it's portable, which is extremely important. Uh, again, gold, obviously, it's not portable. Fiat currency, it is. To, the, to a point, mm-hmm. right? I could st- like When I was coming back from... Romania last time, and it was a whole other story we can talk about. Um, they asked me as I was leaving the airport how much cash I had on me, right? And so you're not allowed to travel with certain dollar amounts. So even fiat is portable to a point. Yeah. Uh, well, if you want to go down, let's just go down this sure. list. Okay. And then you can kind of explain, you know, kind of where we're at okay. and compare comparatively. So we'll have this on the screen, obviously, and so we can... Just go down that list of the different traits. 
Okay. Yeah, we'll start with verifiable then. So verifiable um, because of the blockchain that we showed earlier and, and the ledger, those the, the coins that are created are legit. And I can look at a transparent system and, and know that and see that and that the Bitcoin I have, if it's in my wallet. Now, I got to say this too. People that own Bitcoin and it's on Coinbase or wherever else, you have it on their system. Yep. You don't actually have it. So I would advise, you know, learning a little bit about because you're being self-custody and truly owning your own Bitcoin. That's mm -hmm. important. So verifiable on that end. Gold, it hits the moderate level because there's cases where they'll put lead inside of a gold wrapping and the cost of verifying gold is not I, cheap. Right. No. So gold has gold is you got to, it, it's not foolproof. You got to make sure that the gold you're buying is mm -hmm. legit. And of course, fiat, you have some levels of counterfeiting. Yeah. Fungible. Um, all of these come across fair. Basically, one ounce of gold is one ounce of gold. A $10 bill is a $10 bill. And then uh, one Bitcoin is one Bitcoin. So they should maintain the same value. Mm -hmm. And uh, portable, we've just discussed this. Yep. So portable gold being very low. Uh, durable gold is very high survive fires everything else there's gold under the sea it's still gonna mm -hmm. be good if you find that gold uh fiat is not durable easy to burn burn whatever and then why is bitcoin uh durable moderate well because i just alluded we said 20 percent of people have lost it so there is an aspect of you know the bitcoin is not going to get corrupted but there's there's an aspect of custodian well, that the high level of verifiability affects yes this correct Every, so you have to know that code of your yeah. wallet key to make that happen because again if it if the if it was not obviously unverifiable would be low but since that's high that's why that's that's right. moderate so yeah. it is it, it's great you just have to have that key password it's not i lost my password it's over yeah correct and that's the that's one of the things holding i think adoption back um, I, have, I have friends that, you know, uh, they are very afraid still. They own crypto, but they're afraid to take self-custody of it. And even myself, I've had instances where, you know, I've got a pretty complex uh, system to to remember. And, and it's not so much remember. I've got a system of, of where I'm keeping things. But there's been moments where I kind of like type the wrong password in. I'm like, oh, man, now the password's not the same as the key. But the point is you are taking full responsibility of, mm -hmm. of your money. There's yep. no call the bank. Oh, I lost my password anymore. Uh, divisible. This one I love. And it's worth noting too, this because a lot of people think, Oh, well, Bitcoin is too much money. I can't afford to buy Bitcoin. You absolutely can, because you don't have to buy one full Bitcoin. You can buy fractions of it called Satoshi's. And, um, if you want to buy $50 worth of Bitcoin, you can buy $50 worth of Bitcoin. So Bitcoin's divisible to seven decimals. It's extremely divisible. Unlike gold, again, I'm not knocking gold, but again, Bitcoin was created to be a superior form of money. If you want to buy $50, you'd be buying a flake. Yeah, well, even if I have a gold bar, right? I've got gold uh, you know, on hand for emergency situations, and I've got some gold. I want to go buy $53.74 worth of groceries. I, I'm not I'm going to carve it off and hope she has a scale when I carve <laughs> off. It's just not, yeah. it's not divisible at all. Uh, scarcity. We talked about this. 
Um, fiat, I would go as far as saying it's extremely low, especially lately. They're printing it and diluting the dollars that you have in your bank or in your wallet. Every day they print more money, those dollars lose value. Um, so fiat's definitely not scarce. Gold, to a lesser degree, we don't really know exactly how much gold is even here on Earth, let alone other sources outside of Earth. And then um, Bitcoin, fixed supply, 21 million ever made. No matter what. With No matter what. Established history. Okay, this is a bit one of Bitcoin's weaknesses. It's only since 2008. Uh, so we don't have that in the favor. Gold has been a form of money since dawn of time. Mm -hmm. And then fiat, established history low. Um, I wouldn't say it's low. I just think it has a really bad track record um, in its history. Well, the you, Federal Reserve note is, is that's young. That's true. Yeah. It's definitely young. Okay. Uh, censorship resistant. I uh, don't know how I can talk about gold on that end, um, but fiat, easy to confiscate um, or control. Um, Bitcoin, yep. I mean, I guess I can say on that because you even look at Gap, like they're able to, even though they have everyone and their mother trying to shut them down, Julian Assange, what all these people, you're still able to interact with Bitcoin. But again, like you, you mentioned, if you have your Bitcoin at an institution like Coinbase, mm -hmm. they can take that away. Absolutely, yeah. Because Coinbase is keeping it for you. They control everything that, well, whatever the entities. Yeah. But if you actually have it on your, your private wallet with your key, right. without a third party, now right. it's really, really highly yeah, and I don't want to just not Secure. Coinbase, any any centralized sure, sure. exchange. So yep. yeah, but it, again, it, it's it's worth you know that's that's further down the road as you get into your Bitcoin journey. But self custody is extremely important. Mm -hmm. Unforgeable costliness. This goes back to the you know, so they can print whatever they want. They can print ten million dollars tomorrow. Forget even printing the currency, just the digital number in the system, just add a zero. So there is no cost in, in, in creating fiat. Gold, obviously, to mine it, there's a lot of resources. And then, again, with Bitcoin, there is a costliness. And you're not, again, you're running your, you're running your mining for two factors. One, to be rewarded, but you're also processing transactions and you're, and you're securing the network. Mm -hmm. And so there is a cost to it. But let's, let's also take into account there's a cost of having something of quality, the best form of money out there. There's also a cost of keeping all the banks open as well, right? There's the, the buildings, the, the energy, the lights, the, the staff, all of this yep. stuff. So to sit here and think that there's a uh, Bitcoin's uh, monetary system costs money, but other monetary systems don't is not even true either. So yes, there is a cost with Bitcoin and that's what also gives it its value. Uh, openly programmable, and I don't want to get into that uh, right now in this case. Uh, but uh, yeah, the, this obviously gold has no programmability to it, neither does fiat. And then decentralized, and um, obviously fiat is not Bitcoin. We've talked enough about that. And gold, I don't know how you even consider gold any. It says moderate, um, I guess, because of the how dispersed it is i don't know mm -hmm. but yeah but this is to me this was when i had my first like aha moment 
that made me look deeper into Bitcoin. And from here, I looked at the white paper. I learned how the blockchain worked, which is really revolutionary. Nothing like this has ever been created. And that's what allowed Bitcoin to be created. It was the blockchain concept that was like, okay, this makes it legit. This was an invention that gives it its power. Which the blockchain has uses other than cryptocurrency. Right. Yes, There's absolutely. There's companies, corporations that are using that technology. What, what are some of the benefits outside of cryptocurrency for the blockchain and how that's helping in different entities? Yeah, well, so one, just a quick analogy on that. Um, when we think about like the internet, the early days of the internet, and you have like the, the HTTP protocol, well, email was the first app that was really kind of being used. If you even think, you know, me personally, uh, you had America Online, right? And you got mail and a lot of people were like using email for the first time. And that was like the first app. You weren't doing e-commerce transactions at the early days of the internet. You weren't doing uh, face, you know, Facebook video sharing and chatting and all of this stuff. You didn't have, you weren't using voice over IP. It was pretty much mail. Mail was the first application. Currency, cryptocurrency is the first application in Bitcoin over blockchain. But then you start thinking about all the things you can do. I, I use that example of buying a deed or title and, and securing that. So now you're seeing, you know, everyone's probably heard of non-fungible tokens. Okay, this is now a way to, to create intellectual property and make it where I'm on the blockchain proving ownership that I own this piece of intellectual property, whether it be uh, an image or JPEG or, or whatever, before copy-paste, yeah, you can still copy-paste it, but now I've got on the blockchain a certificate of ownership that I own this one-of-a-kind piece. You might have a copy of it, but I own the original. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of people don't understand like why NFT has any value, and I'll say, well, you know, whatever. My grandmother's house, she had a, a painting of the Mona Lisa on her wall. Does that mean that the Mona Lisa in the Louvre is worthless now? No, that's the original one. That's mm -hmm. the one Leonardo da Vinci painted. They can authenticate that, right? And, and therefore, that's the one that has the real value. NFTs and using blockchain is one of these examples. Um, I see a day where blockchain is going to eliminate a lot of businesses with a lot of middlemen that aren't quite necessary. Mm -hmm. And, uh, you know, whether that's good or bad, I don't know. But, but I do see kind of, it just allows you to do a lot of things. We were talking about, like, if you were a band, you know, what are some of the things that a band can do that they weren't able to do without blockchain before? And um, I, I'm really excited about it. I think we're still really early in all of this. Um, but yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of examples. I mean, you can do programming, like when you start talking about maybe some other, like Ethereum, for example, has a lot of, you know, Ethereum opened the doors in terms of smart contracts. And so just an example, I could do something where, um, I run a command to, to check, uh, every day, check, uh, you know, to see is Kevin Alvarez alive. and if one day the obituary report shows that I'm no longer alive, I can have a smart contract that says, okay, then distribute 
send, send my coins to these addresses. And I'm basically doing the programmable money. Mm-hmm. And so there's a lot, it's endless. And that's the thing. Once you, it's the same way the internet, when the internet came out, you know, I don't think people were going to thinking that they were going to be taking, whipping out their phone, taking a picture of what they're eating and then broadcasting it to the entire world to see that wasn't what we were thinking when we first got on America online. So the opportunity to create is endless because a blockchain's created this idea that you don't have to trust other people. Like you, you, you are now entering a system that's trustless. And as long as you have the verifiable information on the chain, what can I do with that now? Mm-hmm. It just opens the doors. I mean, I, I'm buying NFTs from artists and all over the world and I'm sending them value and, you know, uh, cryptocurrency that's value. And we're, we're exchanging value for pennies without any middlemen in the way. And, um, it's beautiful. I mean, it, it, it's, it's awesome. I think the, the biggest thing that I see next with all of this is decentralized autonomous organizations or DAOs. And this is a way for people to have a common goal or mission to kind of join forces together. And now we're decentralizing uh, governance in a sense. So now rather than a corporation and this is the board of directors and they're going to vote, now you can start building a, a group of people together to create something that they believe in and have shared ownership and shared voting rights. Uh, so this is, it's just endless what, what can be done. Yeah. Well, I, I think we can transition from seeing the value and the benefits because I truly believe in cryptocurrency, decent, decentralized ledger, blockchain technology has a, an immense value once it's put into place and once it's put into action other than an investment opportunity. Yeah. To me, I'm still a person, of course, with the, the way of the world right now to have cash on hand yeah because that's a def i mean should. when stuff yeah, hits the fan absolutely if it does hit the fan right. you have that have i had a friend that told me to get junk silver yeah. that's the first if you're going to buy precious metals the first thing you sh- should do is get junk silver in low denominations so if stuff happens it's easy to barter it's easy to you know hey i need a, a little bit of gas electricity's out or something like that okay th- there's where we're at so I truly believe in that. I, I believe in, you know, personally, you know, cash, precious metals. And I, but I see the benefit of cryptocurrency for the long term, for the long game that does allow for freedom. And right now, when it's used other than a way of investment, it can save companies like Gab, like we talked about. Yeah. But what we're also hearing is a lot of governments don't like it because, again, it takes their power and authority away. But we're also hearing they're creating their own version of digital currency, which to me, I think you should be very, very scared of and leery of because it does not possess all the traits and security and power that we just talked about with Bitcoin and a lot of these other cryptocurrencies. It's, it's a, it's a manipulated currency. If you want to talk about that. Yeah, well, it's very scary. Um, It'd be the worst thing. I'd rather have the current system with cash than a, you know, central bank uh, created digital currency if that happens they're definitely trying and and this is why probably the main reason why i decided to come on the show is because i want people to understand the difference you know uh, a, a cryptocurrency that's not decentralized is very scary 
because it is programmable. So now they can say, okay, well, um, they can see everything I'm buying. They can make decisions on how much I should get. Uh, they could cut me off. They can automatically have my taxes. Like it just, it's endless w with what they can do when they're issuing and controlling and seeing every single thing. Um, that's not freedom. That's the opposite of it. And they're trying, they're going to work to this. They already are working towards it. And I don't want people to confuse central bank digital currency with decentralized digital Absolutely. currency. And that's, yep. that's the, that's the piece where I just don't feel enough people understand that. And that's the most important point to drive home. I agree. I totally agree. Cause we're, we're in a situation where governments, businesses, entities are saying, you have to do this or else we're taking this away from you. Right. So again, not to get in the political aspects of everything going on, but let's just say you don't comply with a, a mandate or a regulation they have. They can easily yeah. take your social security away. They could easily take anything away. They right. can control your digital account. They can wipe everything out from you. Absolutely. Yep. And it has, it's again, it's, it's it, not decentralized. It's not yeah. validated on everybody's, individual wallet is controlled from a central source that there can be all kind of manipulation. Yeah. And, and they, here's how I see them doing it. They wouldn't. So let's just take the current situation with vaccinated versus unvaccinated as an example. If, if a digital central bank, digital currency had rolled out already, they wouldn't necessarily say, Oh, we're going to take your money away from you, which they probably could. It would be more of, we're going to, incentivize and pay everyone who does do what we told them to and comply. We're going to give them X amount extra, but they're in effect stealing from you still because they're diluting the amount you have in your wallet. Mm -hmm. So again, it's, it's uncontrollable to what you can do with it from a, any technology can be good or bad. And the technology here was created for good, but if it's in the wrong hands, which ultimately technology does get in the wrong hands. So it's important for people just to understand like the technology, a little bit how it works and, you know, go back to this idea of decentralization. Just, I remember it might've been you or I had a few friends ask me, well, why doesn't Apple, why won't Apple just create their own crypto and, and Facebook, et cetera. And like, well, they can, but it's not what crypto, it's not what cryptocurrency is. It should be decentralized, right? It should be, so if one entity sets it up and controls it, I laugh about all these cryptocurrencies that you see now that a lot of people invest in and they're, they're companies, they have a board of directors, they have investors, they have banking accounts. They, I'm like, this isn't a cryptocurrency. This is a company that wants to sell and make profit off of you. Mm -hmm. It's not the same. And I just, to me, that's the biggest thing that people have to understand is that, is that delineation between the principles of what cryptocurrency is and not be confused by what is being around and, and conflated in my opinion. Yeah. Well, there's true power for country countries. Like you said, the third world countries that their money supplies easily manipulated because they're literally like Venezuela is left holding the bag and Venezuela adopted Bitcoin. If I'm not mistaken, uh, El Salvador, El Sa El, yeah, El Salvador has, I think, 
there's other countries that are strongly considering it right now. So I won't be surprised, you know, the, the whole idea of like one domino falls and then more fall. I won't be surprised in 2022 that we see two or three more countries start like uh, declaring it as a, you know, actual currency. Um, you know, El Salvador didn't, didn't lose the dollar. So they, they still accept the U.S. dollar as well. And, but they uh, also accept Bitcoin as the official currency. That's wild. Yeah. And again, I, I hope that only grows. Again, right now we're in a we're in a dip, <laughs> we're in a really bad dip, bloodbath that kind of thing. But again, we've we've been there before. The yeah, people yeah. that no, have bought in the in the dip did really well in yeah. the end. And you can't stop people from buying it as an investment. Obviously, that's going to be there because you see the opportunity for the value to go up. But there's so many different projects, there's so many different coins that really provide. A, a real service and can take so much out of the middle as, as far as like yeah. with transactions, banks, a, a litany of, of, of different entities that it, it actually removes and brings true freedom yeah. to people and true power to those. I mean, I could hand you cash right now, or I can go from my wallet and, and, and trans transact it to you. But if we go through a bank, you'd have to send me something. I have to do that. I have to go through a payment processor they would get a fee. Yeah. It would take probably two days to do that. And so there's just so much involved that the the middleman in that. And again, you see companies like PayPal just banning whoever the heck they want, especially in the conservative side, because they're challenging certain things or are pushing back. You have groups that government officials can call the CEO of this company and say, you gotta get rid of these yeah. people. When you when you have the power to where, like you said, it's a it's an algorithm that's not manipulated. Like that algorithm can't be manipulated by a government entity that's not happy about something. So I think I think there's a clear line that you made between a centralized, manipulated government issued, federal yeah, reserve issued right. currency versus the true power of what a decentralized blockchain backed cryptocurrency can actually provide. Yeah, and I think you know, beyond the cryptocurrency side, any, any kind of decentralized network, uh, approach, those are the things I, I want to support and look into because it, it does go beyond money. It, it you know, we're, I want to see a decentralized social network. I want to see a decentralized web platform all around that, you know, the more, the more that we can have decentralization the better off we are. And that's the thing. The technology is there now. Just people have to understand it and not be fooled by things that say they're decentralized, but aren't. And, and, you know, if, if that's the one thing that's taken away from this, that's the most important thing is, is that concept of decentralization. Absolutely agree with that. Well, thank you so much for being, being on it. here and explaining this. I know it's, it's kind of a, a tough concept for people to really grasp and understand. And like, I think we pointed out earlier, to really understand the true power and the liberty that cryptocurrency brings, you really have to understand money and how that's manipulated on a level that's happened ever since, well, the, yeah. the beginning of time in a sense. I mean, we were talking last night in the, in the, with the Roman days, you would take your gold coin and they would clip some out of it. Yeah, yeah. And then they would call everybody back in 
put their money in, and then they would add another metal to it to dilute it, which they would make more of this. Right. So inflation started back then. That's how it happens today. And there's just we're going to post some links to a couple of those yeah. videos that I encourage everyone to go to freethinkerspodcast.com in the show notes, and we'll have we'll have those videos there because I think having the resources, like I always say, it's so much and so complex to explain this in an hour. And we want to provide those resources. We want to provide the education. We yeah. want to provide at least the the questions that people should be asking because if they're dependent upon, I mean, I heard somebody say money and everything, but it's right there with oxygen. It's it's important as far as every every day in our life, and it's been manipulated so much, yeah, and being diluted so much. We're seeing prices through the roof. Yeah, that's not that prices are necessarily rising. It's that the value of what we have and what we've worked for and earned is falling. Right. Yep. Yeah, and I say that all the time too. Big when people go Bitcoin price is going up, I'm like, actually the dollar is going down. Yeah. And um, yeah, as far as the resources, I, I think I want to include some links to some people and you know, it's again, I'm not gonna give uh point people in the direction of someone that's analyzing charts on price and stuff, but mm-hmm. there are a few people that I recommend um, you know, that if you wanna dig deeper into this, uh to check out, uh we'll add their add their uh, links to their YouTube channel or podcast or, or whatever they have so people can get more information on that. But I, I can say this too. Once I learned all of this stuff and went down the rabbit hole, I was educated on so many aspects that I had no clue about. And it really made me open my mind uh, about a bunch of different topics. So you kind of going down the, the rabbit hole here is, uh, it's, uh, you know, some people will say I've been orange pilled with Bitcoin. You know, that's the, the color of Bitcoin. But if it's true, you, it, it changes how you see the world. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, a lot of Bitcoiners, I was at the conference in Miami. Uh, it is a, a very freedom minded audience. Mm-hmm. So I encourage people to kind of, you know, go down the rabbit hole. Well, we'll put those links there. And again, we'll, we'll have you back on to try to cover this a little bit more and to try to explain a little bit more. And if anyone has any questions, just email us at rusty at freethinkerspodcast.com. And what I want to do, we got to get you on Gab because that's a free speech platform. And with as much free speech or freedom money as we're talking about and everything like that, that'd be great to have you on there because I think you'd love the platform. So many people are coming there because of the censorship, like our YouTube Mm-hmm. award here and everything of that of that nature but again it's it's a it's a group of people that that share our same drive that hey if you're going to ban us for something we're going to build our own and I, yeah. I i so admire what andrew and that team has done as far as to 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 build their own infrastructure and platform and 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 look for different ways to fight the system that's trying to completely destroy and ban them and they've like I said, they've they've tried to take them off of app stores. They've tried to take them off off servers, uh, email providers, you name it. And it's 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 such a good story. Like there's a my favorite movie. The movie poster right out here is Rudy. That's mm-hmm. my favorite movie. And it's a, it's a an underdog yeah. fighting for the chance to prove himself to all these other yeah. big companies. And I think that yeah, I'm all about that, it. Yeah, I'm all point. about joining that fight. I mean, honestly, the that's how Bitcoin when Bitcoin started too. It was it was it was a joke. It was uh, you know, and and now look at it. You know, now you've got institutional banks clamoring for it. And so I, 
I I love to support the little guy. He's got the right uh, principles, and um, Gab definitely does. And uh, yeah, I'd love to support. I don't know if my I don't know if I'll do a podcast or not. Uh, we'll see if you can help me with that, maybe. Yeah. And um, yeah, I, de- I definitely would. I like to educate people more on this topic because it is important. It's not going away. Um, it's the matter of are people going to um, be manipulated by it, or are they going to use it as a, a form of freedom? And I I want to really help make sure people look at crypto the right for the right reasons. Absolutely. Well, thank you again for for being here as our guest, and we'll put your gab handle up okay. once once we join on this. But anyway, right. well, thanks everybody. I I know that was kind of probably so much information, like drinking through a fire hose. But it's something that I wanted to bring again because we're in a bloodbath. The market's down a lot, but so is the, you know, the, the other stock market in general as well. So anyway, if you have any questions, reach out. I encourage you to go to freethinkerspodcast.com and sign up for text notifications, email notifications, and just join us there. Follow us on tv.gab.com. That's our home. Follow me at Puttfark, P-U-T-T-F-A-R-K on Gab. And then whatever Kevin's Twitter handle is, it's not Twitter handle, Gab handle is going to be right under there. And anyway, go there for the show notes. We're going to put resources on how to educate yourself and to continue, you know, that knowledge of, of kind of where we're at. Study what, how, what money really is and how crypto can, can really change how the manipulating dollar and the money and everything that you're dealing with right now um, is sinking your, your true value. And so we're trying to preserve that. And move forward and like Android says we're, we're almost creating two different parallel economies and that's what we want to do that's how we're going to win this fight is to take our freedom back and to have our voice back so they can't control us so anyway hope you have a wonderful week and we'll talk to you soon